News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Harry Siegel here with Professor Christina Greer and reporter Katie Onan. Hello. Hi, Harry. Hi, Harry. Hi, Katie. Hi, Chrissy. So, uh, school's back forever. <laughs> Summer's done. And in honor of Labor Day, uh, we all fail to script an intro about the week, which is usually how we arrange thoughts. So we're going to jump right in. And uh, speaking of things that are behind us now, maybe, uh, Mayor Eric Adams says that uh, COVID is uh, in the rear view mirror now. Um, is that so? Uh, I, I will note that we just recovered as many jobs as we had uh, before COVID, which took like a year longer than pretty much everywhere else in the country. I, yeah, I, I don't think COVID is. I was just having this conversation with some friends. You know, there's this resurgent. There's a new variant. Um, and I know at the city, the the website, the city.nyc, we did a guide to sort of where to get tests, treatments and vaccines. And it was difficult. I know I spoke to Rachel Holiday-Smith, who was one of the writers on it, just figuring out these resources that in 2020 and 2021, we built this entire kind of system of of how to get these things done, where to get tested, where to get um, help. And it's gone away. Obviously, the need has not been as great, but um, I've seen lots of tweets, especially from people who have long COVID and who are still really in the thick of it, this upset. Uh, just feeling so upset that the city could, and, and the federal government too, but focusing on New York City, you could build this whole thing and then kind of slowly take it away when the need isn't completely gone. And in some mm-hmm. ways, the need will probably never be completely gone. But but wasn't this the conversation when we were first battling COVID in 2020, where folks were saying, if we don't get this right now, yeah, we will be dealing with this constant resurgence every few months every few years it'll literally be whack-a-mole and it'll just be mutated versions of you know we just kind of like live with covid as a society and a culture if we don't like nip it in the bud and then we've always had like competing messaging right because listen i understand as an elected official certain elected officials are like we got to get back to work so (laughs) put on a mask or not and like let's get these midtown offices filled in and then other elected officials are saying, well, the public health uh, sort of cost-benefit analysis is such that maybe we should really just go in and, you know, go in ground, underground, and, like, get this thing completely resolved so then we're done with it. But as a society, we know that people aren't used to being told what to do, like, in that capacity, even though, like, let's be clear, some of these anti-maskers, it's like, you've had your vaccines the whole time. Like, how did you go to public school? Like, We've been doing this, but this particular instance, you know, with conspiracy theories from an entire party, et cetera, et cetera. So now we're dealing with, you know, a mayor who's just like, we got to have the economics of New York City up and running. And that means the rhetoric is COVID's COVID's over, literally in the rearview mirror. And just because people aren't going to the hospital at the same rates and they aren't dying at the same rates doesn't mean we're not going to have these long-term effects since all of us know folks who have long-term COVID and they are dealing with whether it's skin issues, heart issues, brain issues, memory issues, mobility issues, 
you know, depression issues. I mean, the list goes on and on about the effects of long COVID. I just, I wish we as Americans got our stuff together and we clearly didn't. Yeah, I find that the the mayor has this sort of mentality that I saw. I remember seeing someone from my hometown posting a meme of starting March 1st. I think it was 2021 too, right? Starting March 1st, we declare that COVID is over. Like you can will or manifest it away. And it's and like I George Bush in the war, right? <laughs> or Donald Trump and COVID. Like, exactly. hey, we'll be, we'll be good before Easter, guess. Yeah, right. Easter 2020, which is like unreal. I, I always mean, remember family friends talking about how they were going to host for Palm Sunday. I was like, um, <laughs> okay, you'll be dead uh, with those fishes year? on the table. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think there's certain, again, I don't know if this goes into the mayor's uh, magical thinking of rocks and gems and bracelets. Look, I wear bracelets. I have a couple rocks. Again, I've been to Sedona. I have love <laughs> stones because it can't hurt, right? But I also don't believe that these things look i put a bunch of those rocks that i got at some foo-foo store in montclair in my bag in march 2020 and i still got covid hey listen i'm i'm holding so that was all the my my like malachite and hematite and you know oh um, yeah i the, put them in the sun of, after you told them to I, yeah i take them to the beach <laughs> you know listen i put them in my bra and like you know to have energetically good days <laughs> i mean like the whole night i'm i'm uh you all know i'm a low-key hippie i get it but there are certain things where the world of medical science needs to come into play. And just because you say it's so, it's like, listen, I could say I'm a size two. That doesn't make it so. <laughs> like, I could say I'm six four. That doesn't make it so. I mean, I think that's also part of, you know, this is where the mayor reminds me a little bit of Trump. Because he'll say things and it's like, based on what? Yeah. Like, I want to defend Eric Adams strongly here. <laughs> Against my co-host, um, I may or may not I mean, have I'm... crystals in my underwear. Uh, I'm down. I'm down with this stuff too. But what I'm saying is, number one, if you're mayor in New York City and you saw how badly uh, De Blasio and Cuomo collectively screwed some of this up, if you see this new Empire report from Bill Hammond uh, about how COVID hit New York City earlier and much harder, earlier than previously known, and much harder than basically anywhere else in the world. Despite the shutdown and all the economic damage that did, if you look at what's happening with office spaces here, I do know where he's coming from. And yes, there's absolutely an element of magical thinking to that, but it's like the the magic that maybe New York needs to uh, to get through. And 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 we knew that COVID couldn't be exterminated. That this was going to be a chronic thing as soon as it was in different animal populations. That's the point at which you cannot eliminate a disease because it has these other reservoirs it can hide in. And that ship has sailed a long time ago. There are these interesting questions about free tests and vaccines and if any of that should be provided. The federal government put a ton of money into that that, in my view, was close to fraud money, uh, as was the PPP money, um, as was some of the uh, the money that went to operations like DocGo that's now pivoted into you know migrant services on behalf of Eric Adams. But I get him saying we can't shut things down again. There is a health risk here, and we need to both through and we need people to be showing up at work. And lastly, if Facebook can be meta, FAQ, go away, Zuckerberg. FAQ is meta now. Because I'm just going to note that uh, you mentioned Rachel Holiday Smith. You're like the city. Oh, our new site, the city. Um, the city, the new site is a bad name. In my personal view, I do not speak for the institution because we're constantly, I'm editing things and it's like, the city has learned, the, ci the city has done this thing, the city you, you has all learned. Are the, you all are the journalistic equivalent of The weekend. 
I was like, what oh. group is this? Who is this? Or yeah, her? Yeah, I'm like, go, how go can away. I find your music, her? <laughs> I ha- I, I, I'll make one point to that. Worst place since worst name since DNA info is just the last thing I wanted hey. to say. Where where every single person who's trying to do as there had to be like, no, we're not a medical company at the start of every call. Right. You you I didn't never work there, I did. So I know people called for DNA tests every single week. Oh, really? Oh, like, oh yeah. People wanted paternity and tests and they were like <sighs> Mari Povich style. Anyway, I will defend I will defend uh the the place that's still <laughs> cutting my paychecks, Harry. Um <laughs> You know, in because I'm a big new wave fan in the in the 80s, I guess late 70s, a little man called Sting, Andy Sumner, and Sewer Copeland called their band the police because of the international free advertising. I'm sure that was confusing, mm. but everyone knows who they are. And I say all cap city, or as I say, I'm from the city, the good city. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Listen, on next week's episode, <laughs> Harry's phoning in from Chrissy's couch. <laughs> <laughs> So Onion 1999, that's how long it's been. Uh, one of the all-time classics, op-ed by Sting, headline, you know, I used to be kind of cool once. It's been a long time. Uh, that, that's, I love Sting. I don't, I don't, that's uh, this, who, how do we devolve to this? I just was pointing out, you have The weekend, The Police, The City, all caps, The City. Um, if we Sting could is trans- on tour with Shaggy, I believe, just before we transition back to the news. Yeah. Sting's a reggae guy, you know? They, well, don't forget really- Puffy pays Sting every time he opens his eyes. So <laughs> yeah, Puffy's like, given all the rights back to the artists after oh, like po- twenty years of making like motherf- that lemon dry. There's like, there's gotta so- be I saw that too, and I was like, yeah. Puff Daddy's a very smart person. There's gotta be some trick. Like he would not willingly give Faith Evans over her stuff. There's Absolutely. gotta be some. Well, I mean, also though, Puffy, come on the that- pod. Talk yeah, to, talk to us. Take that, take that. Um, he you know, received some icon award and Mace called him out and was essentially saying, you know, you have done to us what all these white execs have done Mm. to black artists for generations. You're just a black face doing the same exact exploitative practices. And so after two decades and, you know, there's a comedian, Maranzio Vance, who has this really great YouTube video called Puffy is Poison. And he literally (laughs) just details every single artist that Puffy has started working with, and then they've disappeared. I mean, it's just like, what happened? He's like, Loon and Danity Kane and, like, the orphans from, um, what's that TV show we had them walking across the Brooklyn Bridge? Oh, before. um, uh, the Junior. Making the Making, making the, the Man, band, yeah. right? Dylon and all them. So, I mean, he just goes through all these artists that he signed and, like, he worked on the first album. I think he's got a little bit of, like, ADD, you know? It's just, he's really interested in someone for, like, the first album. And then it's like, you're on your own, kid. And then if you can make it, you can make it. Uh, but, like, Black Rob, Shine. I mean, he when he goes through these names, it's like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about him. Like, Day 12 and the Jackson, you know, nephews. I mean, it's just, Puffy, you know, I know you're trying to get into heaven now, but I don't know financially if it's a little too late. He's going to heaven under his new name, by the way. We're several names behind with Puffy, Sean, Love, Combs, which respectfully... Sorry. Or not so respectfully, it sounds like something you would buy at the Pink Pussycat Boutique. <laughs> well, since this you guy. brought up Shine, I'm now thinking of his biggest hit, I guess, with Barrington Levy, which can lead us to the news from yesterday, the um, Western Carnival Day. Whoa! Look, look, look at Katie bringing it full circle. <laughs> I went just because that was, you know, it's funny. I went yesterday morning. I wasn't working, but I was just headed to the beach. I'm like, oh, maybe I could try to go to the Carnival breakfast. See. 
Hochul and Adams. And then like a more, which I do this a lot, even though I live, I've lived in New York, only live in New York City. I'm like driving there. I'm like, you moron, where are you going to park? I don't have press place. And then I just continue to the beach. But I was looking at the coverage. It was, I thought that, you know, it was really interesting. And this was an initiative for Mayor Adams. It was televised for the first time ever. When you think of how large the parade is, and you think of, you televise the Columbus Day Parade, you televise the St. Patrick's Day Parade um, with full telecasts, with with TV anchors. So it was on PIX11, which I found, you know, I thought that was interesting because it is such a huge parade um, and a huge cultural parade. Uh, but yeah. I, well, I know you know that what that's about, Loki? Uh, at PIX11, there's a Black uh, executive producer who pushed for that. And so I think that that is a larger conversation about diversity in the newsroom at all different levels, because it makes absolutely no sense that we've had this parade in the city as large as it is. And it's actually smaller nowadays than it used to be when we actually had Caribbeans in Brooklyn. And (laughs) yes, there's still Caribbeans in Brooklyn, but you all know what I mean, gentrification, subtweet. So I think that to me is a larger story because I was on a different text chain with some Black women in media, and that's how it came to be. I mean, she fought for it for a very long time for it to happen. And it's sort of like, oh, well, does anyone really pay attention? It's like, I don't know, just a few million people who, you know, come in from far and wide. I mean, I was in Harlem yesterday, and there were flags everywhere, essentially helping people buy their country's flag so they could just get to the parade and already have their accoutrement and not have to buy it, you know. Um, listen, I had my little Bahamian flag hanging out the window. Shout out to the Bahamas, <laughs> Cat Island. Um, <laughs> I never really claimed the Bahamas until, you know, my grandmother died before I was born. Then my father was like, you do know that she was Bahamian. I was like, actually, did not know. And then I met a woman from the Bahamas, and I I just found out. And I said, oh, my grandmother's from the Bahamas. And she says, yeah, Cat Island. And you know, they're like 11 or 13 habitable islands as far as the chain. And I was like, how do you know I'm from Cat Island? I mean, there's so many islands. And she was like, you look like everyone on that island. Oh, wow. Have you been? When I was a kid. Yeah. And then I tried to go in, what was it, 2017? And there was 2018. And we had one of those blizzards where I stayed at JFK for 24 hours Mm. and then realized it's not happening. And I really wanted to go and, you know, have a whole little back to the equivalent of my motherland, I guess. Um, But yeah, our family's trying to figure some things out with some land and family. That's cool. But yeah, yeah, I guess the the top lines from it, I was reading the coverage, obviously the political aspect of Hochul, Adams, they didn't walk together. Mm -hmm. Um, I did see the mayor walked with Assembly Member Jennifer Rajkumar, who was practically a deputy mayor at this point in terms of... um, Yeah, what's that friendship... I we mean, can talk, but that's a, that's is, a podcast for another day, I believe. Okay, yeah. but I'm like, what's the tie that binds? I'm- Ambition and uh, power and uh, maybe some other things. Um, Jeff Colden has a, a very nice piece of, about some of this, uh, I believe, uh, political. If I'm not flipping bylines, in which case, I know. Yeah, city and state wrote about um, the assembly member. Um, you know, I mean, she is in Manhattan a lot for someone who represents Queens. But again, we can Indeed. discuss that another day. I watch lots of clips, lots of videos. I think it's a great parade. The politicians really get into it. Um, Brad Lander was not a horrible dancer when I was watching. Mm. Um, there was a clip. Oh, stop the presses. I, I heard mean, Chuck Schumer was literally trying to shout out every single flag. Like the way he goes to every tweet. single county, he's like, you know, if he, you think he quizzes flag, himself, gonna, his probably. wife in the morning of is like, and he's like, uh, uh, Grenada. Well, he's, not, he's not, he's not great at name pronunciations. I've been at a few events, like inauguration events for like city council members and things. And he's, he butchers names, but um, I'm sure he's got a little binder. 
It's like, because listen, even I get a little turned around sometimes. Like some of these flags are a touch similar from, from, for me. So I'm like, wait, Barbados and Bahamas. Okay. Those right. are the blues. Yeah. One has like the, you know, the tripod, not right. the tripod, but Trident? what's it called? Thank you, Trident. Um, you know, I mean, it took me forever to not mix up Puerto Rico and Cuba. Red mm. star, blue star. Yeah, it's confu- Yeah, it's a lot. And there's a lot of flags. I used to quiz myself as a kid to memorize flags, but oh. my brain has sort of... Um, well, I find the flags at the end of my iPhone. I'm like, can you give me a better heads up? I finally realized they're in alphabetical order. Yeah, so I just have... I'm like, okay, I know Jamaica. Like, So then it's like, okay, I'm in the J's. Let me move forward or let me move back. Um, okay, so let's focus. Another thing that I wanted to just kind of bring up with my favorite politics people is we're in who are they to... oh us <laughs> yes <laughs> yes who um <laughs> you're like who should we go get them <laughs> um so it's back to school um and harry and i talked about this a little bit last week katie while you were diligently working someplace um but parents are figuring out sort of pre-k they're figuring out public schools they're figuring out esl they're figuring out uh, buses that may or may not strike. Um, we want the uh, school chancellor to come on if he'd like to. That would be fantastic. Um, Katie, what are you hearing on the streets about uh, people and their comfort level about, you know, the new school year? Does it's it feel like we're I, ready or no? Yeah, I had forgotten this aspect, but they're reverting back to the 8 a.m. start, which I think they had stopped during COVID. They made it later. So I know, you know, I don't have any kids. I do have a nephew in public school. My sister is actually now an assistant principal. She just got a promotion. Congrats. Got out. She doesn't listen to this. Sister Hogan. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that I I know the school bus strike. I know. And and it's interesting hearing about a potential school bus strike because I know a lot of students who are within District 75, students with special needs who who get bused. there's always buses, busing issues. You know, I have a lot of friends who work in District 75. I mean, it'll be weeks. And there's they get a lot of coverage, but it is sort of such a scandal in my eyes that you have a kid who might be in a wheelchair or a, a kid with special needs who needs to go to a school far from where they live, and the buses will not work for weeks. So it's not, mm. you know, I look at that. Uh, I know the mayor had a little, you know, a little bit of a Twitter controversy because the mayor said, um, just to remind everyone, busing is not, mandated. This is something we provide. Obviously, it's mandated if your kid has an IEP. There's other circumstances and situations where it's mandated. But I was in that room when he, he said it. This was last week on the Phil Banks show. Um, and it almost felt like, oh, okay, well, show. <laughs> well, thanks, start Mayor. With, start with that. Yeah, right. Well, he it was him and the, and the police commissioner and the school chancellor but and, and Phil Banks. But it's thinking we like... 80% of the listenership of the Phil Banks show on this podcast. Right yeah, now, they're please. they're watching True. Um yeah. So, yeah. So I think that it's kind of struck me as like, OK, like, well, you're the this is the largest school district in the country. Like, are we supposed to be bowing down because you provide busing for not even all the kids? I think there's a larger question of why the DOE, you know, they have contracts with these companies, but why not take ownership of it? So then there's more control over what's happening. Um, you know, I think it's also labor issues. They, they say they don't have as many um, bus drivers. I think, yeah, there are still parents who are concerned about the spread of COVID. There's always that happens when you get kids back in the school and, and if there's a rise of a variant. Um, kids are in a, a lot of kids are in a classroom. Who knows what will happen if there's a surge in that? Um, I know some teachers, you know, they have a new contract now, although I know not a lot of, te- not every teacher I know was happy with it. 
Um, but yeah, so that's where we're at. And I, I think I'm always interested by the fact that I spoke to a friend who lives on Long Island. Her kids started today, which seems very soon, but public schools start Thursday. Charter mm-hmm. school kids. I was on the bus this morning and uh, all the charter school kids are already there. Uh, public school starts, uh, public public school starts Thursday. Yeah, I have an event on the 7th and there are lots of people who RSVP'd and said, like, I wish I could come, but uh, mm-hmm. it's the first day of school and I, you know, need to sort of be home with my kid uh, when they get back to sort of process what's going down. Um, and the last thing, I guess, before we scoot out of here, um, what's going down with the Staten Island Ferry and these negotiations? I mean, listen, to be fair, right, no one's ever happy with negotiations. I mean, everyone feels like they lost a little bit, but does this ferry negotiation seem like something that we can at least work with and folks who are on the island can actually um, have uh, an agreement that helps them out for at least the next few years? I mean, I think they didn't have a contract for 13 years, so it was significant that they announced a new one. It seemed like there was an opportunity for more hours, like a full 40-hour week. Yeah, I think you you we saw lots of movement last year where they weren't showing to work. There were some issues on the ferry, and that provides transportation for a lot of people. So, so yeah, I mean, I haven't heard too much feedback from people complaining about it, but it, it was a kind of a last minute announcement yesterday on Labor Day, which maybe the mayor designed. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, so the school buses are, you know. It's interesting because you can make this conservative case. This is what's wrong with unions and the provision of public services, that it's incredibly expensive, that that there there have been like looming strike threats over time for a service that's terrible. And you can make a case that the government should actually be providing this instead of contracting out to companies that have uh, their own employees who who, who then are negotiating with the city. But uh, in any which way you look at it, this is just one of those things that's a, a slight panic at the start of uh, every school year and and like very uh, expensive and uh, at best unpleasant. And, and the sort of thing that, that seems like it's always half invested in in a sort of frustrating way, like, uh, you know, uh, do it right. Maybe there's a case for don't do it, but like the middle is really messy. Mm-hmm. And as Katie mentioned, for, for most students, there is no right to be bused. And lots of students take public transportation or their parents take them or have other methods of getting to school. But for kids who are and especially at younger grades and ones with special needs, it's important to uh, to get this right. And and the way it's provided, it seems that it, it's much more a series of labor relations than a, a program that's actually investing on getting kids effectively to and from school. My, my own experience with that involved one of my kids, uh, which was starting at a new school at a very young age, just, you know, waiting on the first day for a bus that came, you know, uh, something like 100 minutes late, uh, you know, with their mom there and then getting on a bus that took her nowhere near her home that was not her bus on mm-hmm. the way out of school in mm-hmm. the course of a single day and just saying, wow, this is bad. I, I took those buses to school when I was a kid. And pretty much uh, made it, although I did have a, a couple adventures of missing the bus and hitchhiking to school in second grade, <laughs> which was fun. And the person was very nice. Um, Harry missing a bus. I don't know why that surprises me. Uh, <laughs> it was a crisscross song, uh, R.I.P. Um, I remember. Uh, Shine. So, Shine, I would love to have him on the podcast to talk first off about J-Lo 
and Puffy <laughs> getting off entirely and, and you know, gun carrier doing the yeah. time, but also to talk about conversion of Orthodox Judaism, um, weeding the Belizean opposition, and what lessons from his youthful career in hip hop and also post incarceration crossed over into doing those sort into doing politics yeah. and not. So I'm going to reach Belizean out politics, anytime. no less. No doubt. He's the, the, the leader of the opposition there now. Not one did not allow back in the States because he's a convicted felon. He's, he's yeah, his legally. story is so fascinating. Yeah. And I, I have one club, New York shooting anecdote in high school. We had career day and one of the former alums um, was a court reporter who typed it up and she told everyone about how, yeah, you know, I was a court reporter for the club, New York shooting. And I got to sell the transcripts for like $5 a page. And literally because of this woman, so many girls I graduated with went to become court reporters, which is an incredibly oh, wow. hard thing to do. Like, yeah. So you have to get a special keyboard and you have to, however many words a minute, it's very hard. <laughs> this it's woman just so messed up. Like the a, classroom. That's Great a work. severe career day. Yeah. Everyone was like, so you got, you saw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. J-Lo and Puff Daddy. She's like, oh yeah, they were in my court. You know, it was fine. <laughs> oh, wow. Just yeah, change the trajectory. I, of I can't imagine like career day as a professor. It's like, so you sit in your office by yourself all day and you have poor circulation because you forget to stand up and walk around and it's a constant anxiety of like rest and work <laughs> it's yeah. cool because being a the ai the ai is removing all those jobs in like oh, right. 18 months it's also right. cool because how in the f we've been very good with dodging the words you see you and me on this one mm-hmm. how in the f are court transcripts not public records how in the f are reporters from different outlets like pooling resources yeah. to get a copy of transcripts at big trials? And granted, I mean the justice system is a joke because most things never go to trial, so you end up with m- much more limited records of what's happening. But even things that do, what's difficult or expensive to access from uh, from our public systems is remarkable. It's well, everything just needs to be overhauled. I mean, it is just absolutely insane that we have several tiers of justice. So, I mean, you know, why is it that, you know, Trump and friends are out on bail, but like young thug isn't, I mean, he's got money and he's not a flight risk. Like it's gone, you know, take away his passport and he should be out walking around as well. I mean, like we just know that like the racial and class components of our system at every single level is just so inequitable and so blatant. It's sort of like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. So we absolutely could, but we just refuse. All right. Thanks, listeners. Well, we're back to, I guess, kids are back in school. If you have any feedback on stuff you'd like us to talk about or even guest suggestions, reach out to Harry. He can reach out to all of us. (laughs) Speaking of Harry, speaking of Harry. So as mentioned on the pod last week, there will be a storytelling event in Tribeca this Thursday. Um, If you're interested in this, just reach out to me, and if I can, I'll be very happy to share the details in the evening. Goodbye. Stay cool. It's going to be on. F-A-Q. This has been F-A-Q NYC. We're part of the city. Nonprofit. Nonprofit is a newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work's freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popula.com. And I'm happy to announce, now affiliated with the Moynihan Public Scholars Program at the Colin Powell School of CUNY City College, where 
Our own Chrissy Greer is one of the inaugural fellows. Yay. Our host this episode were Christina Graham, Katie Ona, and me, Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our Adam, our Adam Muir is Engine Camara, something like that. Thank you, listener, for joining us, making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more. <laughs>